0: It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast, your one-stop shop to dominate fantasy baseball and football. Come get some. And we're back. It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Trella. With me today is the mock draft extraordinaire, Mr. Nick Mimikos. What's up, man? How you doing today? What's going on? I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah, it looks, looks like the move is still going a little rough. I see a lot of storage bins behind you.
1: You have a screaming two-year-old uh, underneath me, so I uh, hid in the spare bedroom. I don't think anybody knows where I am right now. All right, all right. They're painting downstairs, so I hid. Good,
0: good. Uh, uh, any distractions today? Are you in the middle of any mock drafts while we're doing this right mock now? Mock draft
1: army tonight. Fancy line first night. Okay. I'll be, in it. I'll be in it tonight. And then tomorrow, i uh, got an AL-only auction draft with Scott White, CBS, and them.
0: Okay, nice. Uh, that,
1: that's tomorrow? Tomorrow night, yeah, auction. It's actually a full league, not a mock draft.
0: Okay, are you ready for that? You oh haven't yeah, done an ready. only league yet this year, have you?
1: I haven't done anything yet. No
0: leagues yet. Oh, crap. All right. Good luck with that. I'm nine drafts in. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, God. I'm taking a break, though. I'm finishing a, a NF, NFBC 50 right now, and then it's break time until T- TGFBI. Boom. All right. Speaking of TGFBI, uh for the first time on the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast, we're bringing in a guest today. We're bringing in the venerable, the one, the only, Mr. Justin Mason. What's up, my man? How are you doing today?
2: Uh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I'm glad I'm, in, uh, a po- or I'm on a podcast with someone who's done almost as many leagues as I have. I'm finishing up draft 11 12 and 13 that doesn't include best balls that's that's just straight draft oh
0: yeah i'm not counting best ball either (laughs)
2: yeah i don't when i talk about my league totals i never include best ball like because then that that just gets that doesn't count that's just for fun
0: when you got nothing else to do right
2: well i mean i i like best balls and you know they they can be a good way to make some money and stuff and especially if you like cheap drafts over on fan tracks for like 10 bucks but there's no in-season management. So it's like I draft it, and then I completely forget about it. I go back and check it at the end of the year. Hey, how much money did I make? Oh, okay, cool. That's great. You know,
0: That actually happened with us. We did, for football, we probably did uh, 10 or 12 each. And I broke even. I remember Trader Andy, our other guy who's not with us today, I told him, I'm like, oh, go back in and check how you did. And he won like freaking $400. Yeah. I, I, and it was all 5 and $10 dimes that, that he was doing. He just took a couple of them down. So
2: yeah, a lot of times I don't even check until I start doing my next season's worth of best balls. Like, like I go in, I'm like, oh, okay, oh, I've got you know 500 bucks in this counter. I've got 600 bucks. Sweet, I can you know go draft you know, you know, ten leagues or something like that. And,
0: yeah, it's, and, it's all reinvestment at that point, point, hundred percent. All right, well we're we're starting a series with some guests. Like I said, this is our the first time we're doing it with a guest, and we're doing some strategy sessions on. Different formats, and Justin and I are actually doing a draft and hold right now, so we're going to talk about that today. One guy that will not be guest hosting for us is Michael Salfino. I'm pissed at him. I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw him on Twitter yesterday <laughs> running his mouth about coming to America. What the hell are you trying to do? Are you trying and to Caddyshack. get and Caddyshack? Are you trying yeah. to just drain down to zero on your follower account there? So, yeah. Ratio. You- he, yeah he he ratioed himself on that one I don't I, I think there was one person that came to his rescue and certainly as hell wasn't me <laughs> yeah. S- speaking of movies did either of you guys watch this movie yet promising young woman no it's on I, I think it's Netflix or peacock one of those it is a, the most frightening movie you'll ever see it's not a horror movie watch this movie and watch it with your wife. And the last 15 minutes will just blow you away. It, it, it's unbelievable. I, I just watched that last night. It was not a good val- Valentine's Day because we were both in shock for about two hours afterwards. So <laughs> that's the way it goes. All right, Justin, let's talk about you for a little bit, all right? You got your thing going on with Friends with Fantasy Benefits. You're working with Fangraphs. You got the largest field in TGFBI history. You're running 13 drafts at the same time. How do you do all this, man? <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I mean, it's easier when you get paid to do it because it's a job. Right. So like, though, I mean, before I was getting paid to do it, I was doing a lot, too. I mean, you, you kind of learn how to budget your time. You make sacrifices. One of the big sacrifices I made throughout the first four or five years that I did this was I didn't sleep. you know i mean i'd sleep like two or three hours a day and that helped that i had little kids i wasn't gonna be sleeping anyway so i might as well be writing and i had a job where i like i could write in the middle of the night while i worked so that definitely helped but you know i mean if you want to be successful at anything you've got to work hard and that's been one of my things is i'm not as smart as a lot of other people in the industry i'm not you know i'm not the analytical thinker that you know certain people are in the industry. I'm not the scout that other people are in the industry, but I'm going to try to out-hustle you. And that's what I do. You know, I try to out-play you when I'm playing you in fantasy, try to out-hustle you uh, in the industry, and that kind of gives me a little bit of a leg up. And then I've had a lot of help along the way. If guys like Jason Collette and Paul Spore came on, like, the first few episodes of the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast. You know, guys like Paul and Laura Michaels and Howard Bender. And, you know, Saris took a big interest in me as I was kind of getting going and took me under their wing and taught me a lot of things. Uh, and so like as much as it's been a lot of hard work, I've also been really lucky to have made connections with people in the industry who helped me along the way. So, But it, it's been a fun ride.
0: So you mentioned Eno Saris. Mm-hmm. He's actually in my league in TGFBI. Just a quick question. Uh, what's up with him murdering you on a T-shirt, man?
2: <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, somebody... Throughout there, that they wanted like some sort of like podcast versus podcast, like, you know, and and Derek Van Riper versus paul and i in like some sort of mock draft well i mean i don't really do mock drafts at this point like i said i'm 13 drafts into the season already someone made like a, the anchorman reference of steve carell's character killing someone with a pitchfork or a trident or something like that and it just spiraled from there and of course RotoWare got involved and anytime RotoWare gets involved there's going to be a t-shirt so you know the picture of it that kenny from RotoWare drew He's my profile picture on Twitter. So you can go check that out at Justin Mason FWFB. And I've already ordered the t-shirt. Paul's already ordered the (laughs) t-shirt. It'll probably be the best-selling Justin Mason shirt ever because three people have ordered it. So, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, no, I mean, that guy at Rotoware, man, he does just amazing work and he does it so quickly. Uh, I mean, obviously with the Justin Mason stuff, it's been incredible uh, branding for me and, uh, you know, just been kind of a, a fun talking point around the industry but i mean his other stuff like he comes up with stuff so quickly and he is just so kind of inventive with it all it just i mean it's it's amazing what he does
0: yeah absolutely well that's a life goal for me i'm just breaking into the industry now i'm 46 years old been playing for 25 years I'm at the point now where I'm working for free. Mm-hmm. I know you remember that. My goal is to have a deal with a company to put my ugly bald mug onto T-shirts, just like you. All right.
2: So. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There was no deal or anything.
0: Like I don't. Have- <laughs> People
2: are like you must make a killing off this stuff. At- I don't make a dime. I pay oh, for my shirts. Like I, I got a little personal promo code. But that's it. Like I, I, I'm putting Kenny's kids through college because I'm having to buy my own face on T-shirts.
0: He doesn't give you a shirt for free.
2: Oh, no, I mean he, he sends me free swag here and there and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, but cool. ultimately, like he's he's made like some almost fifty Justin Mason T-shirts. He can't afford to like just clothe me for free and and like. But it was never like <laughs> a like hey um you know we should do this together. And we've done some collaborative stuff like there's a TGFBI shirt that you can go pre-order right now. <laughs> Um, so we collab on that and stuff, but like the Justin Mason stuff, like I don't he he sees something I tweet or something my wife tweets, and then all of a sudden it's on a T-shirt.
0: All right, cool. All right, guys, we're gonna do something fun before we get into the meat and potatoes. Here, we're gonna play a little uh, little stupid ten question uh, game show. Cool. get to know your expert all right like i said justin and you could tell already nick doesn't speak unless spoken to all right so i'm going to ask you guys a series of 10 questions and i will arbitrarily give points that are absolutely meaningless and we'll see who wins at the end and you'll win absolutely nothing all right got me nervous all right nick you're gonna go first all right because that's just what i picked okay all right right. ready favorite fast food spot Oh god,
1: five guys burgers and fries.
2: Oh no, In N Out Burger, man.
1: I'm I love sorry. that place. If yeah. In and Out was over here, I would go there every day.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I didn't even grow up in, in California, but I, I would whenever I'd come out to California, it's like the first stop as soon as mm-hmm. you get out of the airport.
0: hmm Absolutely. I've never been to California, but my sister got engaged in an In N Out, so I guess it's all right. All right, so I'm gonna we'll I'm gonna award Justin five points on that yeah, round. Okay, absolutely. that's well deserved. All right, all, all-time favorite athlete, Nick. I'm a Jeter fan. Jeter. Uh, it's uh, it's
2: Daryl Green for me. I mean, what he did, I'm, I grew up in Washington D.C. Uh, I met him when I was ten years old. It was like the highlight oh, wow. of my life. Uh, dude was just amazingly fast. Was the you know considered the fastest athlete in sports. Uh, you know, at the prime of his career, was an amazing tackler, returner. Yeah, I mean, I love Daryl Green.
0: All right, so we're gonna go ten points to Justin on that because he said more than just the name, and he met him. So he met him, Nick. You're, Nick, you're you're losing pretty bad. All here. behind. All right, all right. Make it up on this one. Wow. Best pizza topping? Ooh, pepperoni. You got to go pepperoni, especially with Jersey.
1: Jersey's got the best pizza. I don't know okay. what Chicago does with their pizza New York, decent pizza to casserole, thank you I went to uh, St. Lucia for my honeymoon and I almost puked having their pizza there, it was d- disgraceful
2: <laughs> uh, the answer is bacon bacon is good <laughs> on anything and like don't get me wrong love pepperoni, but you put bacon on anything and instantly makes it better, you can wrap bacon on meat, you can wrap bacon on vegetables but you put it on a pizza goes with the cheese, the sauce it's, it's like the perfect of
0: all right. Uh, Justin had the right answer there, but five points to Nick oh. because New Jersey pizza is better. So that that's it. <laughs> All right. Next question, Nick Parks and Recreation or The Office? Which show? Oh, office. Okay. The office. Favorite character? Steve Carell. Uh, still, okay. Still quote.
2: Yeah, the the answer is the office. Uh, I do love Parks and Rec. I also just started or I just finished my first run of Community. That was really good. But the answer is the office. Uh, But the best character is Dwight. Dwight is what like I understand. Like Steve Carell is you know the center of the show, but Dwight is what makes the show entertaining. Uh, He is the conflict. He is the antagonist all throughout the series, and in the end. He's kind of like the hero. Gets married, it's, you know, a huge deal. So, yeah, no, the answer's Dwight there.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to award no points on this. Mm. The correct answer was, in fact, The Office, but the best character is Kevin Malone. Absolutely, 100%. Laugh at every word that comes out of his mouth when he drops the ch- the oh, chili yeah. is the most tragic moment in television history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nick, dog, cat, or no pet?
1: I'm a dog fan. I have a dog. My wife has a cat. I love my dog.
0: So you have a cat also?
1: I have a cat, unfortunately. My okay. wife did not hear that comment. I have a cat and a dog. My dog <laughs> okay, is my best friend. I love my dog.
0: The, the, the bench will take the cat into consideration no, in addition to no, no the dog. Cats, no you said cat, so it's under consideration. All right.
2: Well, here's the Justin. thing. I've got a cat too, but the answer is dog. My wife will not let me get a dog until my youngest- is out of diapers because she doesn't want to clean up crap from two things in the same tub. Uh and it kills me because I want a dog. I've only since I've you know been with her, I've only had cats. So now we're talking 15 years of these cats, which are awful. Cats are awful pets. Uh they don't love you, they just want you for food, they scratch oh. you. Um, you know they you know either shit in a box which smells or they do it outside which is even worse and you don't know where it's at it just smells yeah cat's the worst but I, I have one
1: And may I add I just bought a house with a half an acre and I went from five times less the size and now there's shit all over the backyard and we have snow everywhere so I can't find anything right now yeah no but, but you'll be fine that for well, years. It's worth, it.
0: It's worth it though <laughs> All right so, I'm going to award five points to Justin out of sympathy because (laughs) his came from the heart, and I I feel bad for him that he's got a damn cat living in the house. He needs a dog. All right, right, Nick. Chance to make up some ground here. Um, Best sports movie?
1: Ooh. Ooh. Um, Angels in the Outfield. Okay. Interesting. We'll go them.
2: Hmm, uh, I'm going to go Rudy. Rudy's like the dream right you're a nothing guy that works his butt off and you become the hero of it uh, you know and no kid that didn't watch Rudy you know when they were a little kid like I was when it came out like didn't want to be Rudy I actually had a friend who went to the University of Notre Dame first day of practice he went up to Tyrone Willingham and said you seen the movie Rudy that's gonna be me. He got cut later on, so it didn't work out very well. But Rudy is an inspirational story. Absolutely love it. Notre Dame, one of my favorite uh, colleges out there. So, yeah, I'm going Rudy.
0: All right. Justin made some great points, but it's baseball season, so Nick gets a point for that one. (laughs) All right. All right. Which are you buying, Dogecoin or the Dodgers to repeat as World Series champs?
2: Oh, I mean that's easy. It's it's Dodgers to repeat as World Series champs, and that hurts my heart and soul. Being a Giants fan, I don't like that. But they've got just an absolutely stacked team. You know they're going to battle mm-hmm. it out with the Padres and uh, probably the Nationals and the Mets and whatever crap team comes out of the Central. Uh, but I mean they're the champs. They've got a stacked rotation, a pretty decent bullpen, and and it's just a monster lineup. Dodge coin. I, I don't like I don't trust any of these cryptocurrencies and I, I know people are making money on them hand and fist, but like, it just seems like the 1920 stock market, everybody's doing well right now. And then all of a sudden it's going to disappear. So, but I'd rather put my money on the Dodgers to
1: repeat than Dodge Coin. Oh, so a lie. There's their season. That lineup is just stacked beyond stacked. And the Padres made a lot of moves, but I can't see them competing with the Dodgers in the long run.
0: All right. Um, you both said the same thing, so no points allowed. And Doge, Dogecoin doesn't exist, really, so we'll, we'll move on. Game All right, last, last two questions, and these are important ones. This one's for 1,000 points. Ooh. Fantasy 5x5 fantasy five five league, batting average or on-base percentage?
1: Oh, man. God. Uh, I'm going to say OBP. Get the walks in there. But that's, that's a tough one.
2: I'm going to go off the board. Play whatever whatever game makes you happy, man. I, I tend to play average because that's what NFBC is, and I play mostly on NFPC now. But ultimately uh fantasy is a game i think we often forget that that it is really just a game give me the rules i'm going to figure out how to beat you i don't care what the rules you want to play batting average you want to play on base percentage you want to play slugging you want to play whatever stat you give me at a net stolen bases and i'm going to take those rules and i'm going to beat you nine times out of ten so uh you know average is what i tend to play but you know play what makes you happy and then beat your competition
0: good answer. All right. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you got your ass kicked on he that did. one. I
1: did. I did. My tail's between my legs right now.
0: <laughs> All right. So I forgot to keep score, and we're on the last question. So we're going to make the last question worth 20,000 points, and this will decide the winner. <laughs> All right, Nick. All right. Pete Rose, Hall of Fame or nah? Oh, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. That was I with know. conviction.
1: Pete Rose has got to be He's got to be. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. What is the
2: Hall of Fame? Mm -hmm. It's a museum. It's a museum to baseball, right? And so saying that we're going to eliminate bad parts of our history Mm -hmm. is a disservice to the people who are going to come after that don't know who Pete Rose was. I think it's important that we talk about who Pete Rose was, one of the greatest hitters of all time, but also what he did that got him blackballed for Major League Baseball, but he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. So do all these guys who are in the steroids era. You yep. know, and all the, you know, as much as I don't like Kurt Schilling as a person, he probably should be in the Hall of Fame if his statistics warrant that. Don't eliminate the bad stuff. Talk about it so that way these r- mistakes aren't repeated over time.
1: Bloody sock and everything. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, r- Nick, you lost. Yeah. You lost. I was trying to get you to talk more, but Justin talks enough for both of us. I I told you it's going to be the
2: longest episode you've ever had.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great answer, though. I agree 100% with him. Bonds, put them all in. I mean, they're the best players in the positions. Home run champion. You have the hitting champion. Bloody Red Sox against my Yankees. That hurt. Still hurts.
0: My 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 take is pretty simple. Like I like to see home runs. I like to see strikeouts. I like to see the the game played at the absolute highest level. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I was a I played on a state championship team. I was third team all state baseball player in high school. And if somebody would gave me a needle, I probably would have taken it. But it wasn't available to me. Times Yeah, <laughs> times. yeah it, you was, know, it was it, available
2: it, to every major leaguer at that time. None of them hitting seventy three yep. home runs. So. Uh, I mean, it, it's like, don't get me wrong. Like, did he lengthen his career and make it better because he used steroids? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind either that. But at the same time, like, that's what happened. We're not taking guys out of the Hall of Fame that used amphetamines back, you know, before, you know, 1960s, 1970s. Like, why would we, like, care about something that wasn't illegal in baseball, baseball profited from the steroids era saved baseball in the 1990s and these yeah these writers that act like oh well there's a morality clause where's their morality when they were writing about you know these home run races full well knowing something was going on like people shouldn't be Mm -hmm. able to hit like this uh, on a consistent basis and not to mention the entire league hitting like this
0: All right. All right. All right, guys, let's get into some baseball direct now. All right, let's do a a little review on a couple of transactions that happened over the last 24 hours, first and foremost. And this relates back to Nick and I were talking uh, prospects on our last episode, and we were discussing Mr. Kellenick and what possible uh, immediate contribution he might make. And we kind of looked at Seattle and thought they might be a sneaky team. That that might actually step up and be competitive for the wild card, thus making Kellenick coming up a little bit sooner a possibility. Uh, and now, now they signed uh, James Paxton back to the squad. Big so, maple. what do you guys what do you guys think? You, you think that makes Seattle? I'm not saying that they're going to compete for the, the the World Series, but they might be in it as a 500 team. I think there's enough there now.
2: I mean, if if we get expanded playoffs, who knows what can happen, right? And I still think that this DH and expanded playoffs thing is going to happen at some point. I think the players are just holding out for kind of a bigger piece of that expanded playoffs pie. uh, And they don't want to ruin any negotiating uh, that might go on in next year's CBA. But ultimately I think that gets done. Do I think Seattle is a playoff team, even with eight teams in the playoffs or seven teams in the playoffs uh, in each league? Probably not. I think this Paxton move is uh, a way for them to kind of, you know, hope that he's healthy and then trade him at the deadline um, for, you know, some more prospects. And just, I mean, that farm system that Seattle is putting together is pretty amazing. I do think Helnick's up at some point. And uh, if he's crushing it in spring training, he could really force his way up probably like late April, early May. Uh, he's a guy that I wasn't drafting at all. And now I started taking shots on him when he falls outside of the top 200.
0: Current ADP and FBC, 257. Signing with Seattle, does it rise or fall?
2: Oh, it absolutely rises. Anytime a guy signs, unless it's like a really bad location, they're going to rise, and he'll probably rise a good 30 spots. And I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, this is a guy who's been a top 25 pitcher in recent memory, and uh, there's no reason to think if he's healthy. The big question is if he's healthy, that he can't be a top 40 starting pitcher, and you're getting him extremely
0: right now. Awesome. All right. Next, Marwin Gonzalez to Boston. Does anyone care? Absolutely. Affect anybody. Does it affect anybody we care about at all? I mean, I hope not they lose really, every game. right?
2: If you were um, a Michael chavez like fan, I don't know why um, you were, <laughs> but if you were like, this is like the. Like, if Enrique Hernandez was, like, the first nail in the coffin, um, yeah, Mar- Marwin Go- Gonzalez is, like, the last nail in that in that Michael Chavez uh, coffin. So, yeah, I mean, you-, you should not be interested in really any of them. I mean, unless you're playing, like, if you're playing an NFBC, he's, like, eligible at first, second, third, and outfield, I'm pretty sure. So, like, if you can get him extremely late and he's a guy on your reserve list that fills a lot of spots for you, Fine, but I don't know that he's going to get enough playing time to matter.
0: All right, that was about 45 more seconds than I expected <laughs> on Marlon Gonzalez. I told you, was gonna, so, I, told
2: you I was going to take you guys longer than you've ever gone. All
0: right, all right. All right. I have a feeling you're going to rant about this one a little bit. Today we get CJ Krohn to Ooh, Colorado. I like it. <laughs> I you like have it. To, you have to like it. There's big home run potential there. Dude's going to smash like 80 home runs there. My, my my biggest concern is who's going to miss out on this. Uh, you know, is this going to going to cost Hamson or McMahon <gasps> s- some at bats? That th- th- those okay. are the, some guys I've been kind of holding on to, and I think they may they may lose a little bit of rotation on that. What do you think, Justin?
2: I mean, I think McMahon's probably pretty safe. He's going to slide over third, fill that spot that Arenado left. <laughs> Uh, I, if it hurts anybody, it's gonna probably hurt Hampson. They seem to really just absolutely hate Garrett Hampson. Um, and I mean, I get it. I don't. Maybe he slept with the the uh, general manager's wife or something like that. I don't. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, they just never give the kid a run. This is just gonna be frustrating, is what it is. And I mean, I like Cron in Colorado. If he actually gets on the opening day roster, it is a minor league deal. Um, and the Rockies are just a team to keep him on until the last day and then cut him. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to draft him where he's going to end up going because I think people are going to start taking him in the top like 175. God and nice. that, that feels like it's going to be a bit rich for me. Um, we'll see. I, I do a market watch ADP column uh, over on uh fan graphs. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see pretty quick where his ADP is rising to, but I don't know. I mean, this is just a Rockies move, man. It's like you're you're trying mm-hmm. to commit to these younger guys, but instead of doing that, we're going to bring in some old guys. And you know, I can't wait for them to just resign Matt Kemp and just you know, completely <laughs> yep. block off like Romil Tapia, Gary Hamson, uh, Hill- Hillier, and all those guys.
0: Yeah, that that NFBC fifty that we're doing together. That's my only active draft right now. As soon as I saw the news, I signed in to see. Where we were at and and where I wanted to cue him in, and he was picked that very pick that was on the clock at that moment.
2: Yeah, I mean that always happens. Like, I don't know if it was draft him in with you or if it's a different draft I'm doing right now. But like the Mark Melanson news broke about him signing in San Diego, and I was on the clock. I was like, "All right, Mark Melanson, come on down." Like you just you know that that, that's the awful part about slow drafts is you know news is going to break and things are going to change a draft dramatically. I did a draft with a bunch of other podcasters recently. And like, I was looking at one team, like right after the draft I was like, wow, this is a really good team. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, Oh my God, they're screwed. Like, there's no way <laughs> it's like signings <laughs> happens, trades happen. And all of a sudden they went from having this really deep roster. Like, I don't know if they've got enough outfielders to like start the season. So, you know, that, that is, uh, that is the peril yeah. of, uh, of slow drafts sometimes.
0: All right, all right. Let, let's get let's get a little deeper into uh, talking about draft and hold strategy session today. All right, I'm actually uh, breaking news. I I I got an opportunity. I'm starting uh, my my first column is going to hit tomorrow with Creative Sports. Todd Zola gave me an opportunity and I'm actually putting together an article on this subject right here, which is draft and hold strategy. So, I'm looking forward to that. You guys could check that out tomorrow. It'll uh, be on creativesports.com. Looking forward to that.
2: I cannot say anything bad about Creative Sports. Creative Sports was a site that was created by the uh, the late, great Laura Michaels, uh, who is a mentor of mine, a really good buddy of mine, uh, and uh, you know Todd is kind of um, carried that torch uh, in his passing uh, from a couple of years ago, uh, and so that's an awesome opportunity. And if you're ever looking to write uh, and you want your you know foot in the industry, uh, creative sports is a great place to do that. They they kind of mentor a lot of new writers um, and give them an opportunity to kind of get their name out there.
0: Yep, yep. All right, so let's talk draft and hold here. Uh, my favorite thing, what I. <laughs> I I do usually uh, four, five, six, 12 of these things every every off season. This year I started in December because I was bored with COVID. I had nothing to do. Um, but I use this mostly as, not, not to try to make money off of it, but I use this as my strategy to get ready for draft season and get ready for my home leagues for this year for TGFBI and anything that's really, truly important to me. I think that this is the best way to kind of walk through the player pool. The one thing I do is I do it in partnership with uh, with our guy, Trader Andy. He and I do a team together, and it what it does is it kind of forces a conversation just about every player 600-plus deep through the entire player pool.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is the beauty of drafting holds is it's a cheaper way of doing a really like deep mock draft almost. Uh, you know, people actually have money involved and it's played out, you know, played out through the season. So it's not a mock draft. But um, if you're anything like me and you're playing in big money leagues later on in draft season, this does. It gives you such a good understanding of the player pool um, and really an understanding of where certain players are going to be going. Obviously, I like to do at least one a month up until yeah. March. Now, this year, I've gone a little bit overboard on that. Like I said, I've done 13 of these things. Um, So... Uh, you know, but that's largely because I can and I'm bored. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I started my first one in October um, and I've, you know, done, like I said, I'm, I'm finishing. A, I just finished uh, my 11th and 12 and 13 should be done here in the next few days. So it's, yeah, it's a great way to learn the player pool. It's a great way to kind of learn what positions are shallower than others. Um, yep. You know, I came in with some preconce- uh, preconceived notions on, certain positions maybe being deeper than others. And then I was like, oh, wow, second base is actually a lot deeper than I think people in the industry give it credit for. And relief pitcher is an absolute mess. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, like, it really kind of lets you tune into not just, like, how deep certain positions are, but, like, where players are going to go and where the runs are uh, and where the huge drop-offs are.
0: All right, so I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna put you on the uh, spot for a second here. <laughs> so I'm in this league with you, and you're talking about how relief pitching is an absolute mess. Okay. However, I think that this is the league that the first relief pitcher that you took was Mark Melanson. It was.
2: <laughs> well, I think this was the one I was talking about. I was on the clock um, yep. when uh, when he signed in San Diego, and I took him. Now, see, this is funny that. I'm talking to you guys about this draft because this is unlike any other draft that I've ever done. So I started this draft and the other draft that is still going on um, right around the same time. And so this one's a 15 team draft. The other one's a 12 team draft. And I went, I'm going to try something I've never done in an actual draft. I've done it in my drafts, but I've never done an actual draft. And I want to try pocket aces. Um, it, it's a strategy. I don't really like, I don't know that it is, uh, I, I think it leaves you with a lot of deficits in a lot of different areas, but I know some really smart guys in the industry, including like my buddy, bad flip crazy. Who's a big pocket ace, pocket ace of guys. A lot of other smart guys in the industry really pushing the pocket aces. So I went, you know what? I'm going to try this out. So, uh, but with that, you, it's hard to do, you know, ACE ACE and then take an early closer, which is typically what I like to do. I like to get at least one locked in guy, Uh, you know, in the fifth round, fourth round, something like that, and then kind of wait and pick and choose my other ones. But in this one, because I did the pocket aces, I couldn't really do that. So what I did do was pretty much take what I took Mark Melanson, uh, in the 13th and Archie Bradley in the 14th, and then kind of, uh, you know what we're in the 17th or 18th round right now. I'll take some other stuff.
0: We're, 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 Papa, we're in the 23rd round oh, and you still don't have a catcher. <laughs> I'm okay with
2: that. I, um, I was, I was on a podcast recently and we were talking about another draft I did. Uh, or I was talking about a number of drafts I did, uh, because I'm in like four different drafts with Rob DiPietro, uh, from the Pull Hitter podcast. And he was all, he goes, of these four drafts that you and I have been in together, you have 12 different catchers. I don't care yep. about catcher unless there is like a guy that falls, you know, early that I really like a room Muto falls, you know, deeper than he should, or a Will Smith or Sal Perez. I just don't care about catchers. Like the difference between catcher, like 13 and catcher, like 30 is so minimal to me, um, you know, and guys all the time get hurt. Catcher is the most injury prone position outside of pitcher. And so, like, I don't want to invest a lot of resources in catcher. There have been drafts I've done, you know, fifty-round drafting holds where I don't take a catcher until the fortieth round because I just don't care. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I have a really good understanding of player pool. I know where my my guys are. I'll end up with a lot of the same kind of catchers throughout draft season, but ultimately, you know, it just doesn't matter that much to me because you're talking about guys who are often not going to play more than three or four days a week have a a propensity to get injured, unlike other position players in the field. And it's just kind of a scary position to invest a lot of draft capital
0: in. All right. I I can't disagree with you. Um, Let me ask you a question then, being that you don't care about that. Are you one of these guys? I am. That makes a spreadsheet, figures out their, their targets per category and and is taking a projection model and putting it into that and just trying to trying to break down where you're at per category as you're going through the draft or you're just kind of winging it with these and, and, and letting it fall as it may
2: in now in like some of my auctions i'll do that because you've got a little bit more time in between pick or in some of the like my more expensive or more important slow drafts i'll do that because you've got the time to kind of do that i'm pretty good at doing it in my head I can look at my roster and go, okay, I need some speed. Oh, I need runs scored. Oh, I need some strikeouts. Like I, I can pretty quickly in my head just look and so a lot of with a lot of these slow drafts that I'm doing, they're fifty bucks, hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks, something like that. I'm not going to necessarily invest that much time and effort into it um, in terms of doing the spreadsheets out. Like, you know, but if I'm doing the main event, if I'm doing, uh, you know, Tout Wars when I do Tout, um, TGFBI.
0: Did, did they invite you back? I, I, I saw your performance in the NL last year. I don't know. Yeah. Todd no. still invited you back?
2: Yeah, no. They're not <laughs> me back. I'm moving from NL to um, to mixed auction this year which will be, okay. be interesting. Uh, yeah, no, that that NL Towers team did not do well. Also, though, we drafted that at the beginning of March and had to keep that team through the season. And it just, oh, like, yeah. All right. you know, I mean, so much changed. Like, I feel for, like, the mm-hmm. guys who invested. Like, my, my one of my guys at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Greg Blankenship, like, he invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into NFPC early drafts. He does every year. I mean, this is a guy who spends, you know, $20,000 drafted or whatever, you know, and like, and then finds out, like, they're not going to refund like the draft and holds. And he's like, okay, so now I've got to roll with these teams that I drafted six months before. And, you know, everybody was in that situation. So it's not an excuse like, oh, that's why you finished last or that's why you finished. I think I finished 10th or something like that in Tout Wars uh, this last year, but we would all drafted a completely different team had we known what the, you know, what it was going to look like coming into 2020. So, you know, I I don't really care where I finish if I drafted a league six months in advance, unless it's like my three sport league that I do, which, you know, we end up drafting, you know, six months in advance of baseball because you know, you're drafting three sports at one time.
0: All right, Justin, uh, I'm I'm gonna ask you to defend a couple of picks. I believe it was the fourth and the fifth round because it's two players that I absolutely hate. And <laughs> it might be because I really struggle to pronounce their names.
2: Oh, okay. So uh, Randy or Rosa Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> we we call them Arizona Ice Tea here because I, I, I love can't Arizona
2: Ice Tea. That's a grinding <laughs> game. Uh, you know, I mean, this is gonna be one of those players that's polarizing for people. Some people are gonna say like the track record's not long enough for him to be going in the fourth round and there're going to be drafts where he goes in the third round. Um you know coming up here pretty soon because as the main event comes up uh and like the, you know some of these other you know big money drafts comes up that those kind of guys get pushed up. People have their guys and they go for it. They don't they don't give a crap about ADP. Um you know and I get that. And usually, I'm the guy that says, like, I I don't trust track record or uh, trust the guy that a long track record. Ro- Randy Rosarena is different, man. He is a different animal. What he did, it you know, in his short major league stint, and then what he did in the playoffs um, was absolutely phenomenal. And it's less about like, oh, dude, hit you know the most home runs in the postseason. I don't I don't care about that. It was his ability to recognize a pitch coming out of a pitcher's hand was so elite uh, that it really gives me the feeling that he has a, a pretty safe floor. He's a guy who can hit for power, hit for speed. You know, the batting average isn't going to be, like, plus or anything. You know, we're talking about a guy who's probably, like, 250, 260 batting average, but it's going to come with a boatload of home runs. It's going to come with uh, a, a fair amount of sto- uh, stolen bases. And unlike a lot of the other Rays, I don't think he's going to be in a platoon situation, not after what he did in the postseason. He'd have to be really bad to find himself in the platoon or uh, back in the minors. I think he could be an absolute monster.
0: It, it looks like they're going to put him in the three hole. So I I don't think there's much, much, much of a concern about playing time mm-hmm. with him at all. My concern with him was, was the, the fly ball to home run rate is through the roof, uh, he, yeah, including the playoffs. I think he was in the regular season, it was 42%, and in the playoffs, it was 51%. Obviously, small sample size. We here at Stack Attack, we call 2020 a slump or a hot streak because mm-hmm. it's nothing but a short sample, 60 games. Uh, for him, it was even less. Uh, but the, the gap between him and... And the rest of the league was almost 10% on fly ball to home run ratio. So I'm, I'm not really buying in on it right now. You make some valid points. Uh, the pitch re- recognition, I didn't really uh, look at it that much. But uh, the stolen base floor, obviously, this year is really, really disgusting with stolen bases. It may, it may actually fix itself because of this quote-unquote dead ball. If there's going to be less home runs, there might be more running, so we might actually find more stolen bases at the end of our drafts than, than what it looks like right now. But all right, I, I'll let I'll I'll accept your fourth round pick of Randy Arizona ice I'm not going to do it myself, but uh, hey, I keep that in I, mind I'm, when I'm uh, with our you. trades
1: open this weekend for our our uh, dynasty league.
0: Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that we got mind. a home dynasty league, and and. Uh, I might have access to him, and I might want to be looking to get rid of him. So I'll be sliding in there. Yeah,
2: you, bet, you uh, better you yeah. better get a mint for him if you're going to trade him <laughs> in the dynasty league. I mean,
0: uh,
2: and I mean, if, if you're not a believer, that was the time, right? There's he, his value will never be higher if you think mm-hmm. he's good. He's not going to be even close to what he was in the regular season or playoffs last year. So get get paid if you're selling Randy Rose, now <laughs>
0: Okay. Your pronunciation is so spot on. It is. It's fantastic.
2: So, so I, I'm one so, of those so, guys. I'm, I butcher names, man. I'm the worst with, with names. I, so, I work really, really hard because it's it's something that bothers me when I listen to a podcast and someone like repeatedly messes up the names. What it tells me is they don't watch a lot of the games, um, you know. But I'm also one of those guys that have has been known to butcher names. And so, I, I, I try to work really hard to get them right.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right. So I'm not even going to try. Let's talk about the second baseman slash first baseman that you drafted in in the fifth <laughs> round from the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> All right.
2: So Keston Kira. Uh this one, I mean, what definitely not my favorite pick in the draft. I really wanted Brandon Lau. Um okay. and I was like so I had him like queued up. I was ready to go. And I was and you know, Brandon Lau is kind of my dude at second base this year, but he's a lot of people's dude at second base especially with that outfield eligibility being able to move from middle to outfield like is just such a such a nice little combo uh and my my good buddy uh Yancy eaton just totally sniped me uh and, and sent me a text uh dancing on my grave uh so <laughs> I, I ended up taking is my first share i think of him this year uh you know we know he's got power right we know he's got you know Some speed, not not necessarily burner speed, but he can steal bases, he can not for power, and what he also can do is strike out a lot. So, here's, I mean, that's kind of the difficulty. I'm the type of guy, especially in a league like this, this is a standalone league, there is no overall. So, I'm okay messing with my batting average. Batting average fluctuates year to year. It, you know, a lot of things can influence it. You know, the defense you're going up against, your babbit uh, you know. And so there are like certain players and I think Kessinger here is one of them where he I I don't even like to try to project the batting average on guys like that because he might hit 270, he might hit 215. I just throw that category out the window in a lot of these standalone leagues and I go you know what, I'm going to hope that this is the year he pops the 270 in the same way like Will Myers did. You know, Will Myers has been one of these guys where he's got power, he's got speed, but that at batting average might kill you or it might be decent. And last year it was decent, right? And he was a really valuable player. So I look at Kesson Hero the same way. I know he's got power. I know he's got speed. I know he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. Uh, and I'm going to hope that I get lucky in the batting average department. And if I don't, I've already planned for that.
1: What that's I'm really intrigued great. about is um, they could potentially move him to first base with my uh, my favorite Colt Wong signing there, yeah.
2: and, and, so and that, now he's got first
1: base eligibility. Yeah,
2: that's huge too because now he can play you know first, second, middle, or corner for you. Uh, gives you know one of the things you want to do in these draft and hold leagues because you can't pick up players, right? So you're stuck with the 50 that you draft. You need roster flexibility. You need to be able to move guys all around your roster. And if you look at my team that I've built in this league already, you know, I've got Kesson Heroes who's going to gain roster uh, flexibility. I've got Tommy Edmund already. Like, uh, I, yeah, this is the one I got Max Muncie. Like I have guys already through, you know, having 20 to 23 rounds through 23 rounds already that can move all around my roster, cover any sort of injuries that I have.
0: Awesome. All right. That actually kind of leads into my next question uh, for you. You have set up yourself to have that roster flexibility. Now, with your bench, what kind of strategies do you use in this type of league? Because obviously the, the, your, your main 21, because you don't care about catchers, mm-hmm. are, are the nuts and bolts of your team. But then you have another 29 players that are on, on your team. They're not just dead sticks there. They have to serve a purpose for you. So what are some of the strategies that you use with your bench to make them valuable to your team?
2: So I always want to make sure I have three players at every infield position. So I want to make sure that I've got three guys that I've allocated first, second, third, and shortstop. I want to make sure I have anywhere from 22 to 25 pitchers, depending on the pitchers that have come before. So if I'm feeling really comfortable about my pitchers or really like my pitching staff, then maybe I'll lean towards the bottom. I can even do like 21 uh, pitchers. I want to make sure I have four catchers, um, so that way, you know, like I said, they're the ones who get injured more often. Uh, you know, I see sometimes people roll with three catchers. I think that's setting yourself up to be really, really disappointed uh, in taking zeros. Which, in spite of the fact I don't necessarily care too much about who my catchers are, I don't want to take a zero at that spot ever, uh, or any spot for that matter. And then I want to just have roster flexibility. I want guys that can cover a lot of different positions. I've been in draft and hold leagues where i could because of injuries i could not field like a starting shortstop and that's like that that kills you like the chance you're going to win one of these kind of leagues if you uh if you take a zero once or even or more than once is really really slim because everybody's got all this depth right so everybody's not going to be taking zeros you know and so if you end up taking a zero you're kind of screwed and especially if you're in an over in you know, a league with an overall component There's no way you can win overall if you're not getting production from every single spot. So for me, it's about making sure I'm giving myself depth at every single spot. So that way I'm getting production from every single roster
0: spot. Awesome. All right. Let's talk a little football strategy here. Do you do any handcuffing with your bench
2: Uh, here and there? I mean, there are times like, you know, this would be like a really good example of a league where I could kind of do something like that. Um, you know, I, I did wait on closer. So it wouldn't be a bad strategy necessarily to like, just take a whole bullpen. Like, okay, we don't really know who the Cardinals closer is. So maybe you take every single Cardinals closer and, you know, someone is going to emerge out of that. You Eventually. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, or if you like, there are times where like, maybe I'll take a guy like, you know, CJ Cron. So he, here's a, here's a good instance. Like, don't just draft C.J. Cron, okay? If you're going to draft C.J. Cron, grab a couple of the Rockies and, like, make sure you're getting whoever emerges as that starter. So make sure you get, you know, Ryan McMahon, maybe, uh, you know, get Ian Desmond and C.J. Cron. You know, those are guys that, like, none of them are really that good, but someone's going to probably emerge out of that group as the starter. And maybe you get lucky and you get two starters, and none of them have a really big draft spot. Uh, your price. It's not like you're handcuffing. You don't want to handcuff your third round pick or your fifth round pick. Like that's just a bad strategy. It means you wasted a pick if you're not that comfortable enough to just roll with that person all season long. So um, I don't think handcuffing is something you want to do, go into a draft thinking you're going to do. But as you're going through a draft and you realize, oh, okay, I've missed out on closers. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna handcuff the closers I do get. You know, I'm gonna take Anthony Bass and I'm gonna take Yimi Garcia. Um, you know, or uh, you know, I, I've taken uh like I've taken this guy, uh oh, you know, Franchi Cordero. Like I, you know, I took Franchi Cordero. Well, now I need to make sure I get like Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, and maybe even like a Michael Chavez or something like that to make sure I'm getting one of those guys is going to be playing in left field for the Red Sox.
0: What, what about a situation with a prospect? Like, like for instance, let's say uh, Jose Abreu, you have him on your team. Would you think that using a bench spot on Andrew Vaughn, fairly early bench spot, pretty smart move, just I think- based on the fact that if he gets hurt, this is the guy that's probably going to get the opportunity?
2: I think Vaughn is an exception to the rule in that case. Cause I think Vaughn's going to be up and I think he's going to be up fairly early. And so I wouldn't mind doing that, but you shouldn't be taking Jose Abreu thinking, well, if he gets hurt, I've got the backup. Like if he gets hurt, you just lost your fifth round pick or fourth round pick, you know, um, a situation like, um, you know, maybe like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good uh, prospect you know, where that isn't, you know, okay. For like, for instance, like Joe Adele, like people, there are going to be people who draft Joe Adele. And then, you know, maybe they draft like Justin Upton. Okay. I got Justin Upton. I got Joe Adele. Upton goes down. Adele's going to be the guy, right? Well, we don't know that Adele's going to be the guy. And it looks like he might not be the guy. Brandon Marsh might jump over him. The angels have brought in now Dexter Fowler, like uh, taking prospects, thinking that they might be the next man up can often bite you in the ass because, to be honest, we don't know. We don't know what these teams are thinking. Um, and, you know, a lot of these uh, top prospects aren't on competing teams. Like, teams don't give a crap about your fantasy team or sometimes their own major league team if they're playing the long game. So, uh, you know, sometimes guys are just going to slow roast in the minors and it's just going to hurt. So I like taking a prospect here and there, but I don't get overly invested in them in fantasy for redraft leagues.
0: All right. Awesome. Justin, I appreciate your time today, man. Anything else you want to want to discuss about draft and holds before we get out of here? I don't want to hear anything from your wife. I know we told her 45 minutes and we're OT already.
2: See, I told you it's going to be long, the longest podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, man. I mean, uh, you can follow my work uh, on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB um, on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast and the TGFBI podcast. Uh, and I write fan graphs pretty much daily at this point. I write over friends, of fantasy benefits as well. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: All right, man. Thanks, Nick. What do you got? What do you got in the works this week? What are we? What are we looking at? I'm just doing
1: mock drafts, as Justin said earlier on the podcast. Just learning the player pool. This is my best way to learn the player pool. Um, just do a ton of mocks and deep mocks, and just pl- go through the player pool and see who's there, see who's on the list, and. Great, and Justin, again, thank you for coming on here. Jeff jokes, I like, sit back and don't say much, but it was just—it was great <laughs> to just listen, sit back, and take it all in from one of the best out
0: there.
2: Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun.
0: No, no problem, man. All right, he's at and Mimi on Twitter. I'm at J Trello 20. Trevor, thanks for everything you do. Take us out, bro. Thanks.